Our celebration this day, All Saints Day, is marked by a reasonable and holy hope. It's a reasonable and holy hope for something, but when we start unpacking the content of that hope, it can get pretty murky. All through our liturgy and our worship, we hear about how in death life is changed, not ended. We hear about the saints worshiping at the throne. We hear uh, on and on about this and that. And right in the middle, right in the creed, we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Now, this is, for those of us educated in the modern and post-modern world, one of the most strange claims of all. We know what happens to bodies. We know what happens to bodies, and they're not restored in any way that we can make sense of. It's very difficult. It's against the nature of things. And so we say, well, what is that about? I, I know it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for something about the continuation of life. Like in Ecclesiasticus, their bodies die, but their name goes on. It's rather as though Tom Brown's body lies a moldering in the, in the grave, but his soul goes marching on. We've got it. We've got it at last. It's just a metaphor for some continuing life after death. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible doesn't make the distinction between body and soul as if there's some essential bit of us that's separate from our bodies. When God made us, God mixed it all up. There's no bit that goes on afterwards. When we die, we die. Most people put the blame for this of modernism and and René Descartes, and cogito ergo sum, and I think therefore I am, and the separation of somehow the body and the soul. It's a pretty modern idea, and it's not the Bible's idea. The Bible's idea is that God made us, we're made by love, for love, and that we are what we are. I am myself plus my circumstance, said a later philosopher. And when we die, all of us dies. There's not one bit that goes marching on, and so we're back to this body thing. And then it gets rationally absurd once again. So I think, okay, resurrection of the body, fine. I want the body that I imagine I had when I was 20. <laughs> and, and, and that one is fantasy too. It was never that good. It just gets, just gets sort of silly at some point. And so we know that we can't talk of the resurrection of the body in this way either. What we're talking about then is something different. When we speak, when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, credo, I put my trust, I put my trust in the resurrection of the body. I put my trust in the one, that the one who created life in the first place can and does bring new life even out of death. The one who keeps reaching for us in the middle of all that is deathly, all the things we do that compromises who we are and creates sin, reaches for us with forgiveness and restoration and newness of life. And it's on the basis of those experiences over and over and over that we can start to glimpse the possibility of saying with some integrity, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I have a reasonable and holy hope that God can do something here. And then we have the story of Jesus, the only story of real resurrection that we know. It's not resuscitation. It's not Lazarus. 
He didn't, he wasn't instantly recognizable, though the Bible wants us to be clear there's some kind of renewed physicality. Mary thought he was the gardener. The people on the road to Emmaus, they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Whatever resurrection is, it's, it's not something any of us know about, really. We don't know what's going to happen. That's in the mind and heart of God. What we do know, what we do know is that God loves us. And that the one who made us for love can make new life even out of death. And we experience that way in, day in and day out throughout our lives if we're paying attention. That's why we practice the faith. We're not talking about a natural process. We're not talking about butterflies coming out of cocoons. We're talking about the, the unspeakable love of God. The one who creates out of nothing and creates even out of death. We practice the faith in the hopes that when we come to Gethsemane, our Gethsemane, we will make the choice that Jesus made. When Jesus came to Gethsemane, he said, if there's some way, some other way, if this cup can be taken from me, it's clear that the logic of my life is going to lead to my death. Is there some other way that I can live with integrity and not go to death? And the answer was no. The answer was no. Anything else would compromise who you are, would undermine your story, would, would belittle your identity, would you be less than the person you were created to be? And so Jesus came to terms with the fact that the worst thing in life is not death. The worst thing in life is breaking faith with the source of all life breaking faith with the love that made us for love. That's real death. And so he went to his death trusting in God's love. Didn't know what it meant, felt forsaken, but trusted. It wasn't something that said three hours and it'll all be all right. It was death, real death. And they took his body down as they will take ours and laid it in a grave. He was dead. We, we break the bread at the Eucharist and we have silence. It's the silence of the tomb. It's the silence of the three days. It's a pause to remember that it's over when it's over. And then, and then, the story is that God raised him up. God raised him as a vindication of that fidelity. The love did not abandon him. That integrity carried him to the end. That trust brought new life. It's a reasonable and holy hope. And where I'm reminded of it most often is around this table. And while the whole of our action here is important, and no moment is really more important than any other moment, but for me, I find from time to time I'm I'm just grasped by, by the, when I take the bread and the wine, it's as if the hope, uh, the, the memory of the past and the hope of the future come together in the present. And for a moment, we taste eternity. And there's a sense at that moment that we are not alone, that nothing is lost, that those we have loved, those who have gone before, those who have died, are somehow gathered in that place, in that moment, in that history. 
There's an old story of the acolyte who served at the altar and was sent off his mother on a very wet Tuesday morning in November. It was cold. He didn't want to go. And when he came home for breakfast, his mother said, were there lots of people there, darling? He said, oh, yes, mum. The angels, the archangels, the whole company of heaven, Father Smith and me. <laughs> but you know what? He, he got it. He got it. He got, we're entering the realms of the mystical here that's probably left, left best left for our prayers and for the wonderful music and for the choir and for our intuition and for our imagination. But I'd say don't get too caught up when we say I believe in the resurrection of the body, trying to know something we can't know. But do get caught up in the assurance of God's love. Do get caught up in the experiences we have that tell us New life can come out of deathliness because love is stronger than death. Get caught up in that and perhaps start the renewal of that response to the good news of God's love in our customary period of profound silence as response to the gospel. Let us pray.